שלום ויום טוב. I really enjoy um, speaking on Yom Kippur specifically because, you know, let's face it, we don't really have anything to run off and do, right? We're going to be fasting for the next day, so we're kind of just in the, in the moment and reflecting on what God would speak to us and, and what we would say to him. Um, let's just open up with a word of prayer as we look to um, the word of God to see what he would Encourage us this Yom Kippur. Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe Yeshua Meshikainu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. God of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come to you truly with hearts full of love and gratitude for your mercy and your grace. Lord, your goodness that you bestow on us and the opportunity that you've given us to find compassion and mercy through Yeshua, our Messiah. God, we thank you, Lord, for the great sacrifice of your son. And so we come this Yom Kippur, Lord, with repentant hearts, but also with hearts, Lord, that are encouraged that because of what you have done, Lord, we can find mercy and grace, Lord, at your seat of judgment. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Today's message is entitled Mediation, Yom Kippur and Messiah. And we're going to look at Vayikra, chapter 23, first and verse 26. And it says, Adonai said to Moshe, the tenth day of this seventh month is Yom Kippur. You are to have a holy convocation. You are to deny yourselves, and you are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You are not to do any kind of work on that day, because it is Yom Kippur, to make atonement for you before Adonai, your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day is to be cut off from his people. And anyone who does any kind of work on that day, I will destroy from among his people. You are not to do any kind of work. It is a permanent regulation through all your generations, no matter where you live. It will be for you a Shabbat of complete rest. And you are to deny yourselves... You are to rest on your Shabbat from evening on the ninth day of the month until the following evening. It's truly astonishing to see what Yom Kippur has morphed into and how far it has moved away from the instructions and the requirements of the Torah. Some in rabbis write, write about Yom Kippur at the time when the temple stood the altar brought atonement for a person now a person's table brings atonement for him through the hospitality shown to poor guests in a Hagigah it says that at this time when the temple no longer exists and we have no atonement altar there is nothing left but repentance. Repentance atones for all transgressions. Well, statements like this, unfortunately, have replaced the very instructions of Moshe Avinu. They sound good, and they sound convincing, but it is not what the Torah requires. So while a few elements have been retained, 
Yom Kippur remains a shell of what the Torah prescribed as the day when the sins of national Israel would be atoned for. And instead of it bringing a real sense of forgiveness and release from sin, it often leaves the modern worshiper just hoping and wishing that they have done true enough to truly find God's mercy and to be inscribed in the book of life in the year ahead. At the center of the biblical requirements of Yom Kippur is a mediator. And I want to read you a quote from a scholar who said this, the entire priesthood existed to mediate between man and God. The great prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah were also mediators. The priests communicated from man to God and the prophets communicated from God to man. The people did not claim to have a direct pipeline to God. A person approached God through the priest and God's message came through the prophet. This did not mean that an individual could not pray to God on his own, but the overall structure of religious life involved mediators playing a key role. So, while Jewish people of today would make statements like, we don't need a middleman, the truth of the matter is, according to the Torah, Yom Kippur cannot even be conducted without a mediator. And we're going to see this in a few minutes. And the first is the role of a mediator. A mediator is a person who mediates between parties at variance or stands in between in the middle of parties that are at odds with each other. And in our case, man, because of sin, is at odds with God. And that's why on this holy day of Yom Kippur, synagogues are full and people who don't go to synagogue all year round all of a sudden are interested in finding God's mercy because they understand that they're at odds with a holy God. Therefore, its meaning is one who intervenes between two disputing parties with the end result of bringing them together. It is obvious in the case of Israel and the God of Israel that sin is what has caused the variance between God and mankind. The whole system of ritual sacrifices is predicated on the need for atonement to be made on behalf of sinful man. I don't think any Jewish person would dispute the fact that sin is an issue and the cause of this variance, especially on this high holy day of Yom Kippur. The whole idea of the day is to come through the other side in right standing with God, right? Having an assurance that our name is inscribed in the Sefer Hakai, feeling good about ourselves, that our conscience is cleared, and we could go forth from the Nilah service and our, you know, our meal at the breakfast and feel good that we have um, given God what is needed, that atonement could be had on our account. Well, this happens through meeting. You know, we could say things, but this actually happens through meeting the atonement requirements laid out for us in the Torah and brokered through a mediator of God's choosing. A mediator is one who has genuine concern and understanding for both parties as he looks to bring both parties 
together. This is wonderfully illustrated for us through Moshe Avinu. And I read from Shemot 32. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. Moshe mediates between the people and God. He goes and he beseeches on behalf of the people and says, God, please forgive their sin. We see from this passage yet another quality of a biblical mediator. A mediator is willing to undergo personal sacrifice to bring the two parties together. Here are some other roles of a mediator. A convener. A mediator may assist in contacting the other parties to arrange for an introductory meeting. Isn't that exactly what Moshe did? Right? He met with God and he introduced the God of Israel to the people of Israel, right? He introduced the law to them. He brought them together. That's what a mediator does. An educator. The mediator educates the parties about the mediation process, conflict resolution, issues that are typically addressed, and principles that may be considered. In a biblical context, he points us to the scriptures which give us the rules He points us to the word of God that tells us the requirements of God and how we can abide by them. A mediator is a a communication facilitator. The mediator ensures that each party is heard in the mediation process. So when we pray to God, right, how do we know our prayers are heard? How are we assured that the prayers that we uttered, we just went through the achet. We confessed our sin. How are we assured that God heard our prayers? Well, it's through the mediator that we can be assured. I'm not breaking the fast. I'm just wetting the whistle so I could speak. A mediator is a translator. The mediator helps communication so that they are better understood and received. I mean, this is all what we see in the word of God, what mediation does for us, and we're going to see in a little bit the mediation of um, other people in the scripture. Mediator is a clarifier. The mediator makes sure that the participants and the mediator have full understanding. Right. So God throughout the Torah... Make sure that the people of Israel, right, understand their part of the covenant. God is clear about his side of the covenant, and he also makes it crystal clear to the children of Israel about their side of the covenant, right? God, through his word, tells each of us what our part to play is. He's also a clarifier, 
The mediator makes sure that the participants, we have full understanding here, sorry, I said that he's an advisor. The mediator comes to be trusted and is able to suggest procedures for bringing resolution. Those are the times in Israel's history. You know, what do you do? How do you approach a holy God when sin enters the picture? Well, the Torah points out the way to now approach a holy God and to take care of those issues. That's what a mediator does. That's what the priesthood was about. We can look at the whole temple and the Beit Mikdash and that whole service of the temple with the priesthood is one big mediation between man and God. The mediator is a catalyst by being proactive in getting the two parties together. And lastly, a mediator is responsible. The mediator assists the parties to implement their agreement. Well, okay, Rabbi, but you still haven't proven, right, that I need mediation. Well, as believers in the Messiah, first of all, aren't we grateful for the mediator? But the scripture has laid this out from the very beginning because we could see mediation or the mediation of the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest. You see, we think of Yom Kippur, unfortunately, today, where we come with our own words of repentance. Let's take a peek. Here is how Aharon, who the high, he's the right, high priest, is to enter the holy place with a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. He is to put, he is to put on the holy linen tunic, have, a linen, have the linen shorts next to his bare flesh, have the linen sash wrapped around his waist, and to be wearing a linen turban. They are the holy garments. He is to bathe his body in water and put them on. He is to take from the community of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Next, he is to slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the curtain, and do with its blood as he did with the bull's blood, sprinkling it on the ark cover and in front of the ark cover. All right, so we could see what the mediator was meant to do for us. Now, if we are using the scriptures to guide our Yom Kippur experience, then we can see we have a dilemma. We cannot enter the holy place of God personally and make any kind of atonement on our own. We cannot do it by just choosing to come and make some type of Yom Kippur conciliatory gesture. As lengthy as it might be, as eloquent as it may sound, as sincere as the worshiper can possibly get, Only the mediator could go to God on behalf of the worshiper. Do we understand that? How much do we love and appreciate Yeshua? You hear that? Only the mediator could go to God on the worshiper's behalf. Here it is. No mediator, no atonement. No atonement. The worshiper couldn't take his own offering in. No mediator, no atonement. Vayikra 16, again, by the way, Vayikra Leviticus 16 is all about the Day of Atonement. Gives the requirements. 
And it says in verse 20, when he has finished, the high priest, when he's finished atoning for the holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he is to present the live goat. Aharon is to lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the transgressions, crimes, and sins of the people of Israel. He is to put them on the head of the goat and then send it away into the desert with a man appointed for that purpose. The goat will bear all their transgression away to some isolated place and he is to let the goat go in the desert. Now think about the majority of what takes place on Yom Kippur. One of the most central and time-consuming activities in the modern Yom Kippur service is vidui, or confessions. We did that mostly all service so far, did we not? We confessed all these various types of sins, categories of sins. I'm sure you, like I did, reflected on my own personal wrongdoing in the year past. And it's a good thing to do. Don't get me wrong. However, in Judaism, Vidui is dependent upon the worshiper to confess and list their sins before God. But according to the scriptures that we just read, it was in fact not the responsibility of the worshiper at all, was it? It was the responsibility of the high priest, the mediator was to confess the sins of Israel. The mediator was to lay his hands on the head of the goat. The mediator was to send the goat off and away to banish sin forever. Not the individual worshiper, not the individual Israelite, and dare I say, not you and I on our own. We are in need of mediation. We need a mediator. One scholar writes, in Judaism, a penitent sinner must give verbal expression to his remorse. He must confess his sin before God pardons him. Strictly speaking, the confession is acceptable even in the bare formulation, I have sinned. But more elaborate forms have been compiled and used, like Rabbi Carroll talked about, that Alchet prayer Right, has been expanded upon and it's been you know, you know, made more and more eloquent over the years right, to give expression about one's repentance. Maimonides holds that the more the sinner confesses at length, the better. That's why a Yom Kippur service could be a four and five and six hour service of confession and repentance and confession and repentance and the beating of the chest and repentance and confession. Thinking that the more you say it, the better off you are. The more repentance that you do, the better off you are. But he gives as the basic form, Oh God, I have sinned. I have committed iniquity. I have transgressed before thee by doing such and such, like we said. Behold now, I am sorry for what I have done. And I am ashamed, and I shall never do it again. Although confessing our sin to God is good and desirable, like I said, it still happens through a mediator. 
God's way of mediation through a human Kohen Hagadol is no longer available to us. Yet the scripture clearly states, and I want you to read this with me, because it doesn't say it once, it doesn't say it twice, it says it three times. It is to be a permanent regulation, say permanent. For you, that on the tenth day of the seventh month, today, you are to deny yourselves and not do any kind of work, both the citizen and the foreigner living with you. For on this day, atonement will be made for you to purify you. You will be clean before Adonai from all your sins. It is a Shabbat of complete rest for you, and you are to deny yourselves. This is a permanent regulation. The Kohen anointed and consecrated to be Kohen in his father's place will make the atonement. Can't do it yourself. He will put on the linen garments, the holy garments. He will make atonement for the especially holy place. He will make atonement for the tent of meeting and the altar. And he will make atonement for the Kohanim and for all the people of the community. This is a permanent regulation for you to make atonement for the people of Israel because of all their sins once a year. So Moshe did as Adonai had ordered him. So we see over and over again, as it pertains to Yom Kippur, as it pertains to procuring forgiveness of sins, not in the older covenant, and not now can we go before God on our own. We can't go to God on our own. We need a mediator. So God has left us. Has he left us without a great high priest? And without a mediator like the Torah requires? Not at all. God has provided our atonement and mediation through Messiah. God knowing that there would come a time when the temple would be destroyed and that the priesthood and high priest would be no more, promised that he would directly intervene. Yeshayahu 63 and 5 says, I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me. God foreseeing that something needed to be done, there was no intercessor, mediator to stand in the place that he would do it himself. Thank God. A salvation or redemption that is solely the working of God is what is promised through the prophets and throughout the Tanakh. I'm going to read this passage to you. And boy, you know, as a Messianic Jewish community, we are well familiar with Yeshiahu Isaiah 53, and we think that Isaiah 53 is unknown to the larger community of Israel. Can I tell you, as you look through the Yom Kippur service and as you look through the writings of the rabbis, many times is Isaiah 53 quoted? Is it quoted in the context of Messiah? Is it quoted in the context of the um, suffering of the righteous, bringing atonement many, many times over? We all like sheep have gone astray. We could even say, Selah, that Yeshiyahu, Isaiah 53, okay, is about the Day of Atonement. 
because it is about the Mashiach of Israel bringing final atonement. So with that in mind, we all like sheep have gone astray. That's what we basically acknowledge so far to God, haven't we? We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, who? This mediator, the iniquity of us all. That's what the lamb was. That's what the high priest was, a mediator, to lay the sins of the people on someone else. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin... He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Mediation through the one whom God would send. That is what Yom Kippur is all about. It's about having a mediator on your behalf because you or I are not worthy to go before holy God in and of ourselves. It doesn't matter how sincere, how genuine, how pious. We cannot go on our own. That is the requirement. But aren't you glad that God made a way? Why should we as a Messianic Jewish community be so head over heels, enamored with the Savior, with the Mashiach of Israel? Because he did for us what no one could do. He opened a way to God. That our sins could be covered, that we could look right. We, and you know who you are, you know, you know what you confess before God that you and me, with all that we are, with all that we've done, could be righteous in God's eye because of the mediator he provided. Otherwise, you and I, hopeless without him. How grateful are we to the Messiah? In his work, Ordinances of the Kings, Rambam, that's Maimonides, states that the king anointed as Messiah will sit on his kingly throne and write for himself a book of the law in addition to the law given to our fathers. And he will compel Israel to obey these commandments. Isn't that interesting? So Yeshua HaMashiach sits as Kohen Hagadol and as the mediator between God and man, always in an intercessory role for us. 
always mediating for us. Yes, we confess to God, but it's because he sits in the role and seat as a mediator that our words are heard and our mediation is accepted and our sins are atoned for. You see, we can't circumvent. That's why he said, listen, think of Yom Kippur. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, right? Except through me. I am the gate. You can't get there any other way. Oh, but Rabbi, I could say more prayers. You can't get there. Because your words on their own fall short. They're not heard in the ears of God unless they're done through the proper mediation. You see, it was the Kohen Haggadol in the Older Covenant, but God, foreseeing that through the Messiah, provided eternal mediation through Yeshua. So how can our confessions tonight be heard? Through the Messiah. We could be made righteous. Not that we're really righteous, and you know what I mean. Not that we're really purified, but God sees us as total. Now we're trying, (laughs) but, you know, I don't know if you blow it every once in a while, but because we do, we're seen as righteous all the same because of the Messiah and his mediation. For God is one and there is but one mediator between God and humanity, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why should we, why did the Talmudim of Yeshua leave everything for him? Why should we leave everything for him? Everything. Friend, I can't tell you, I can't say, and there's not one thing on this earth that we shouldn't be willing to give up for him. Because at the end of the day, he is our lifeline, our hope, our strong tower, our refuge, our atonement, our savior, our friend. We have zero access to God without him. We can't be good Jews only. I know the Pope's coming to town and people think that maybe they rub shoulders With the Pope, they're going to be somehow taken care of. I have news for you. The Pope isn't the mediator God designated. There is already a designated mediator, and his name is Messiah, (laughs) you know, the son of David. His name is Yeshua. And it's, we better be rubbing his shoulders, you know. We better be getting close to him. And I want to say, we've all heard it, blood moons are coming. You know, Shemitah happened, blood moons are coming. Does it bother us? Does it matter? No, it shouldn't matter. It should, you know, what, what should, we should be doing the same things anyway. Looking to tell people that their sins are atoned for because there's already a mediator in place. His name is Yeshua, the righteous one, the Messiah of Israel. He has borne the iniquity of our people. He is the atoning sacrifice. No one else, no other way. You know what? When you read all of this in its context, look at Hebrews chapter 9, 
talking about these very same themes. And you know what? I venture to think that this was written right around Yom Kippur. And probably this is in the heart of the writer when he says, but when the Messiah appeared as Kohen Haggadol, of the good things that are happening already, then through the greater and more perfect tent, right? Because we're talking about the Beit Mikdash, the tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness, then the temple. Now he's likening to the more perfect tent, which is not man-made, that it's not of this created world. He entered into the holiest place of heaven. You see, the ark and the ark cover and the holy of holies on earth although it was holy because God decided to kiss it with his presence. God stuck his foot, you know, here you go. I'm going to visit you. I'm going to just make a connection between heaven and earth so you can get a taste of my glory. Trust me, even though the Kohens fell, the Kohenim fell flat down face first when they, you know, experienced the glory of God, it's nothing like when we've experienced the full dose of God's glory that the ones that walk with him fell like a dead man and say, oh my goodness. See, he entered the holy place in heaven that is a real place. The place where God dwells. Hear me, folks. You know, this is not just ritual. There is a place where God lives. The Messiah went to that place and he entered the holy place, the holiest place once and for all. And he entered not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood. Thus setting, I love this statement, thus setting people free forever. Friend, if you're struggling with, with the Lord, Setting people free forever. That's what the Messiah accomplished for us by his precious blood. For if sprinkling ceremonially unclean persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer restores their outward purity, then how much more the blood of the Messiah who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish will purify our conscience from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. It is because of his death that he is mediator of the new covenant. The new covenant that Israel was to have with God, Jeremiah 31 and following, okay? Yeshua is the mediator of that covenant. That they will all know me from the least to the greatest, that they will know me. He is the mediator of that covenant. Friend, you can't get to that place any other way but through him. I'm almost done. But hey, we have no place else to go. We're fasting and praying and meditating on God anyway, right? Daniel Boyarin, the author of the book, the Jewish Gospels. He is a modern Talmudic scholar. He's not a believer in Yeshua. He's a Talmudic scholar. I don't know if he still is, but was the head of the department of Berkeley. Okay? Not a believer. 
but someone who is examining the Jewish text for what they are without the religious bias, just looking at them and making conclusions. This is what he says. The notion of the humiliated and suffering Messiah was not at all alien within Judaism before Yeshua's advent. And it remained current among Jews well into the future following that. Indeed, well into the early modern period. The fascinating and to some no doubt uncomfortable, because he knows his fellow Jews are going to be a little uncomfortable with this, Fact is that this tradition was well documented by modern Messianic Jews who are concerned to demonstrate that their belief in Yeshua does not make them un-Jewish. Whether or not one accepts their theology, it remains the case that they have a very strong textual base for their view that the suffering Messiah is based in deeply rooted Jewish texts early and late, Jews, it seems, had no difficulty whatever with understanding a Messiah who would vicariously suffer to redeem the world. That goes against everything we've been told, isn't it? But this scholar is finding source literature to the contrary. That the Messiah would be one who vicariously, that word vicarious, take our place, the one who would be in the place of mediation for us. And we're going to talk about the sacrifice tomorrow. So come. Once again, what has been allegedly ascribed to Yeshua after the fact is in fact a piece of entrenched messianic speculation and expectation that was current before Yeshua came into the world at all. That's powerful. That the Messiah would suffer and be humiliated was something Jews learned from a close reading of the biblical texts, which is not readily read anymore. A close reading in precisely the style of classically rabbinic interpretation that has become become known as Midrash, which is the concordance of verses and passages from different places in scripture to derive new narratives, images, and theological, uh, theological ideas. And if you want to see a good picture of what that last line is talking about, just read the first chapter of the book of the Messianic Jews, Book of Hebrews. It's exactly classic Midrash a concordance of different verses from different places in the Bible to form a new narrative that Jews of the day and rabbis of the day, we look at that today and say, my goodness, he took from here and from over here and from over here and from over here. Now we have like a, like a new... No, that's how rabbis taught and interpreted scripture. Consistent with rabbinic teachings. So in place was the idea that a mediator would come and bear the sins of Israel. So what do we do in on Yom Kippur? Are we following man-made traditions and customs? 
things that, you know, rabbis who deny the Messiah said we should do? Are we listening to the biblical texts that tell us what we need to do according to the God of Israel? It's really up to each of us now how we will go about securing atonement for our lives. This is the day of atonement, right? How will we go about making sure our names are written in the book of life? Will we do it God's way? Through a mediator, specifically the mediator he has provided, the Messiah? Or will we go the way of tradition and use our own man-made way? One that is not found anywhere in Torah. The decision is ours to make. And God, being a gentleman, doesn't force that decision on anyone. He leaves it up to you and to me. Make the decision. There's the evidence. You make the decision. As believers, do we grasp all that Messiah has done for us? What he means to us? That he is still our access to a holy God? That we cannot find God apart? We know we talk a lot as believers about in his presence, in his presence, in his presence. You can't experience God's presence without him. In his presence is fullness of joy. That is true. In God's presence is fullness and joy. The way to God's presence is through the mediator, the Messiah. It's not our righteous acts. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad that it's not dependent upon you and how holy you are? It's not about how holy I am, how good I am. Although we're all trying, we're all falling short. It's about how holy is he and putting our trust in him. Well, we're indebted to him. We're indebted to him. I'm, you know what? I'll speak for myself. I'm indebted to him. There's not nothing or anything he wouldn't tell me to do that I do because he is my life and he is the life of everyone who calls himself a believer. We don't have life outside of him. The life of God is found in the Messiah. So here's the thing, this Yom Kippur, are you gonna find, isn't it about life and death? Are names being written in the book of life? To find life, we have to place our trust in the Messiah who gives us life. And the good news is that life is available to every single person on earth, Jewish or otherwise. All you have to do is say, okay, I believe. I'll repent of my sin, which I think you kind of covered today if you were sincere. You know, you probably covered more sins than you even knew you had. I've been reminded of a couple. We would come in repentance and in faith. We believe God's testimony about his son, that he sent the Messiah to do that exact thing, to be our mediation, so we could have access to God through him. If you believe that and trust that in your heart, 
you're going to have the best Yom Kippur and the best year you've ever had. Because the burden of sin and the wondering, oh, did I really? Am I really in the book of life? I don't know, I know, I know, I don't know. I met with rabbis. They would tell me right after their prayers, they feel dirty, they, they don't feel like they, their sins are atoned for. Why? Because their sins weren't atoned for. <laughs> you know, prayers don't make our sins atoned for. Repentance only doesn't atone for sin. It's repentance and mediation through the blood that atones. So all we have to do is believe in the testimony that God sent. And for those of us that already believe, I want you talking about a Yom Tov, having a great day of fasting and trusting and believing and knowing that you know God. And that Tuesday you know, morning, I mean, I'm sorry, Thursday morning you could, you know, just get into a prayer closet and meet with the God of the universe because you're covered and have access. There's nothing better than that, friends. Nothing better than that. You could have it. All you need to do is those simple things, repent and believe. And put your trust, not in yourself, not in man-made religion, but in the testimony that God sent us. Messiah, let's just have a word of prayer. And Rabbi Carol is going to, oh no, she's not, I'm going <laughs> to close us in the ironic benediction. You know, I could assume that everyone in this room knows the Messiah. But I might be dead wrong. <laughs> you know, so I won't assume that. If you know him, Baruch Hashem. Awesome. Your name's written in the book of life. Ever inscribed on God's hand. He sees your face and your name before him daily. He loves you like crazy. You know, there's nothing he won't do for you. He hears your cry and your prayer. Awesome. But if you happen to be in this room and you don't know the Son of God, the Mashiach of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, all you have to do is say yes to him tonight. Yes. I just told you a Talmudic scholar was saying that you, this testimonies about Yeshua are true. They're real. They're not, made man, they're not man-made. They're not made up in the minds of Messianic Jews who just want to believe that what we're doing is right. No, these were things that were entrenched in first century Jewish custom and tradition and reality. And that's why Jewish people believed in him. Just pray a prayer with me. Pray it in your heart. Pray it out loud. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. We thank you for the opportunity of being able to repent of our sins and our crimes before you. And Lord, we are truly sorry. Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me, but also forgive me for not acknowledging the mediation you provided through the Messiah. Forgive me. And Father, today, tonight, I choose to believe in the testimony that you have given in your word about Yeshua being the Messiah of Israel 
and the atoner of my sin. I receive that atonement and that mediation in his precious name. Amen. If you said it and believed it sincerely, friend, that's how you receive it. It's that simple. It's so simple because God is a gracious God, a good God, a merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in love and compassion, wanting that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Not a better day than to do that than on Yom Kippur. Amen? So if you did that, I want you to come talk to me afterwards. And um, if you're still considering it, fine. Still consider it. Read the scriptures. Read the Tanakh. Read the Bible. Whatever you have, read it and find out for yourself. Because I know if you are sincere and want to know the truth, God will show you the truth. He will reveal himself to you. He wants you to have security and confidence that your sins are atoned for. He doesn't want you beating yourself up. He wants you to boldly come into his presence and know that you know that you know that your name is written in the book of life. So um, with that said, um, if you still have to consider, do it. Um, If not, Baruch Hashem, that your name's been written in the book of life. And we're going to come back here tomorrow morning and we're going to reflect even deeper on what Yeshua has done for us. Because the mediator, although absolutely essential component to atonement, equally as important is the sacrifice itself. The mediator without the sacrifice doesn't get the job done either. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about the sacrifice that is needed to procure atonement. So come back tomorrow. So let's stand on our feet. Yisar Adonai Panavilecha Yisim Lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. I pray the peace of the Lord be with you. Shalom, shalom, yom tov. Have a great fast. We'll see you in the morning, we hope. If not, we'll see you at the Neil service. If not, I hope we see you soon. So blessings to you.